But uh, we're going to turn to the book of Numbers uh, 30, verses 2 and 4. And not many verses, but this is what the Lord showed me. It's something I just want to share tonight. But before we start, I have a little story to, to share with you guys. So during a wedding rehearsal, a groom approached the minister with an unusual offer. He said, look, I'll give you $100 if you'll change the wedding vows. When you get to the part where I'm to promise my spouse to love, to honor, and obey, and forsaking all others, and be faithful to her forever, I'd appreciate it if you just leave that part out. He passed the minister $100 cash, and he walked away satisfied. So now the wedding day arrived. The bride and groom have moved to that part of the ceremony where the vows were to be exchanged. And when it comes time for the groom's vows, the minister looks the young man in the eye and says, Will you promise to prostrate yourself before her? Obey her every command and wish. Serve her breakfast in bed every morning of your life and swear eternally before God and your lovely wife that you will not ever even look at another woman as long as you both shall live? The groom gulped and looked around and said in a tiny voice, Yes. <laughs> the groom leaned toward the minister and hissed, Hey, I thought we had a deal. The minister put the $100 back into his hand and whispered back, Sorry, but she made me a better offer. <laughs> so, how many of us remember our wedding vows? How many of you guys remember what you said and what you vowed, what you promised? And how many of us have been able to be faithful to those vows? How, how many of us have kept our commitments even when it hurts. There's going to be so many times in our marriages where it will get hard to keep those vows. Those vows will get challenged. The honeymoon stage doesn't last forever, but our vows should last for an eternity. So let's look at Numbers 30, verses 2 and 4. First for the men, it says, If a man makes a vow to the Lord... Or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement. While in her father's house in her youth. And her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself. And her father holds his peace then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. A vow is defined as a solemn promise. It's an oath. It's a pledge. It's a covenant. It's an assurance of the guarantee to solemnly promise to do a specified thing. It's when we give our word or our personal commitment, a promise made to a deity committing oneself to an act, a service, or a condition. And that's what we did in our wedding. We made a promise to God and to each other. Many of us, before our family, our friends, several witnesses, 
that we promised so many beautiful things. So tonight I wanted to touch on those vows and reflect on what God's word says about our vows. First to the men in Numbers 30, he says that we shall not break our vows, but that we shall do according to some or all that proceeded out of our mouth. To the woman, it said, all her vows shall stand and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. Everyone of us here, I, I think there's only two engaged couples, right? Uh, Joey, you guys are engaged? And uh, another Joey. So both Joeys. Okay. I think every one of us here have made a vow to our spouse before the Lord. Or you're going to. I remember our wedding day. My wife and I, it was so beautiful. Everything turned out so well. We were surrounded by lots of family and friends. And we stood before our pastor in the congregation. And we exchanged our vows to each other. Before I knew it, the night flew so by, the ceremony flew so by, we were being pronounced as husband and wife. And I was walking Rosanna down the aisle, bound to the commitment that we had made in our vows. And I asked myself, Lord, what changed in that moment? Because I didn't feel any different. My wife and I, we felt the same. Everything felt the same. But there was a difference. We had made a vow before the Lord. And we're going to be held accountable to keep those vows, even when times got difficult. Our vows were made before Almighty God in front of all of our close family and friends. I remember when I was looking at her eyes, I could hardly contain myself. She was so beautiful. And as I looked at her, I wanted to cry. And she wanted to cry. It was a very special moment. I could feel God was there. It was recorded on DVD and every now and then we pop in that DVD so that we can remember what our vows were, what we've said, what we promised, what we committed to. What are the, some of the things that you guys vowed? What are the, some of the things that we all promised? Some of the traditional vows says that we promise to have and to hold for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until what? Until death do us part. We were forewarned, John and Rosanna, in this marriage, you are going to face hard times. There's going to be good times, but there's also going to be bad times. There's going to be better, and there's going to be worse. And there was plenty of good times, and there will be plenty of good times. But you also have to know that there's going to be a lot of bad times. There's going to be times of possible sickness and then times of health times where you may have blessings and richness and maybe even times of poverty we both promise to stay committed to each other until death do us part that's what we all did that's what we all promised and no one objected at least i don't think so right no no one objected and we were vowing before god we were making a promise to him, to our spouse, before all of our friends and our family members. Matthew Henry says, A person vows a vow unto the Lord, making God a party to that promise and designing his honor and glory in it. He that vows is said to bind his soul with a bond 
It's a vow before God. Think about that. You're promising God that you're going to do certain things to your wife or for your wife. And it says that we shall not break our word, though afterwards you might change your mind. You're going to have to do according to all that was said. Warren Wiersbe says there is power in our words. God takes our pledges and promises seriously. And so should we. Psalm 50 verse 14 says, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 5 says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. God will hold us accountable to keep our vows. He'll also not only hold us accountable, he's there to help us to keep our vows. He wants to be in the center of our marriages. And when we can't, he will. He wants to lift us up and help us fulfill those vows. My wife and I, we established a tradition of watching our wedding video, our anniversary, until the DVD got scratched. We just had it restored. And I think it's healthy to revisit that, that special day and revisit what those vows were, what you committed to. It's healthy to see and to hear and to see how young we looked and how happy we were. Every time we do it, we get so blessed by it. We, get, we rekindle that, that fire. And tonight we're going to revisit what some of those vows were, what commitments we made when we got married. Like I said, most of our traditional wedding vows include to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, according to God's holy ordinance. <clears throat> and let me remind here, everyone here, that that wasn't chosen for us. We chose our spouse. We chose the person that we were going to marry. We made that choice to take thee to be our wedded wife or husband. No one forced us to, at least I don't think anyone did. And so we need to be faithful to that choice since they committed to that decision. Regardless of how we may feel at times or even how you may have felt tonight. So number one. What was one of the things that we promised to do? We promised to have and to hold. Have you ever thought of that? What a beautiful gift that God gave us. Someone in our life to have and to hold. To share life with, to raise kids with, to raise a family with. I know it doesn't always feel like a blessing, but it is a blessing. Just talk to people that are single, that have been single for a long time. And they'll tell you that they understand what Proverbs 18.22 says when it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. We found a good thing when we found our wives. My wife is a good thing. I love being able to hold her hand, to hug her. She's a special gift sent to me from the Lord. So that I would not be alone. Because Genesis 2.18 says. It is not good that man should be alone. 
And that's why he made us that special person that's next to you. So what does it mean to have and to hold? Simply put, this vow is talking about our physical connection and intimacy with each other. We belong to one another. We're to be one with one another. It means that we're committing to fulfill each other's physical and emotional needs. Seems like it should be simple enough to do. But once the wedding is over, the challenge begins. Remember when we first started in our relationship, we couldn't keep our hands off of each other. We love to hold hands and hug and spend time together. But what happened? Life sometimes happens. Kids happen. Work happens. Daily chores happen. And if we aren't careful, we become roommates instead of soulmates. We neglect the gift that God has given us, that beautiful gift of our spouse. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. To have our spouse intimately is a gift from God to be shared in marriage. But what happens after marriage? It's been said that the devil will try to do everything he can to get us to be intimate before marriage. And then he'll do everything he can to stop us from being intimate after marriage. And we need to be so very careful. 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, Do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. But then what? Come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This was one of our first vows. It was something that we promised each other, but then the stresses of life kick in, the busyness of life comes in, and it keeps us from fulfilling this promise to one another. But we got to fight to keep this intimacy. It's so important, because if we don't make this time and fight to keep this time, Someone or something else may creep in and take this time. When we're feeling fragile, wounded, stressed, or isolated in life, there's nothing that can soften the heart and kindle the soul more effectively than the genuine openness and physical affection of your loved one. Many times we fail or neglect in this area. 1 Corinthians 7.3 says, let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Such an important and necessary vow that is so important in marriage, but it yet is so neglected. And then number two, it says, we vowed in the better or worse. This is probably one of the toughest vows to keep. Because when we're going through the worst, it's so hard. And so many marriages end up in divorce because they can't get through the worst. But that's what we vowed. We vowed that in good times and in bad times, for better or for worse. But how many marriages don't make it through that? 
but it's what we committed to. It's what we vowed before the Lord. And how are we doing in this area? It can be difficult. It's one of the most difficult vows, in my opinion, to keep because of our sinful nature. Because it's all about us. It's all about me. But we need to be reminded that regardless of how we feel, we need to keep our commitments. We need to keep our vows when the worst times come, when those bad times come. My mom lived out this example in my life. Her and my dad, they didn't have a perfect marriage. They didn't always get along. It wasn't always better. But they kept their commitments. They worked through the worst part of their life. I saw it. They were committed to each other. In good times and in bad times, for better and for worse. They never gave up. I'm sure they got on their knees and they prayed and they asked God to help them get through those times. Through those bad times. And that's how we can get through those tough times. We need to make sure that God has been invited into our marriage. Many times we've left them out. And we're suffering because he's not been invited into our marriage in prayer. Without God, guys, we won't be able to get through those worst times. We won't have the power or capacity on our own to do it. It's nearly impossible. Almost 50% of marriages don't make it because they can't get through the worst times. We need God's help. We need to allow him to carry us through those difficult times. And he will. And he wants to. He wants to help us stay committed. But we need to keep, keep him first. Follow his word. And stay committed to each other. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And I saw my mom and dad work through the worst. I saw them pray. I saw them put in work. I saw them get involved in marriage ministry. I saw them attend marriage dinners and marriage conferences. I saw them never stop working, even at their later ages in life. They never stopped working on their marriage. My dad's pastor, who's in his 40s, said he was so humbled by my dad, who had been married almost twice as long as he was. But yet my dad was humble enough to ask him at a later age in his life, Pastor, how can I improve in my marriage? How can I get better at loving my wife? My dad's pastor admired him because he said, this is like my dad. He's the age of my dad and yet he's humbling himself to ask me for advice. My dad left me an example of how to continually work at marriage because it will get hard it is going to be hard there's going to be times where you're going to want to quit you're going to want to get up give up but you can't give up you can't quit you need to fight fight in prayer fight with god's word fight gathering in fellowship with believers that'll encourage you that'll pray with you and allow his word to lead us not our emotions to lead us but God's word. 
Marriage is going to be filled with good times and bad times, with better and worse. Recently, my wife and I, we went up to Big Bear because we had been going through a season of worse. And we wanted to get away to celebrate. If you've never been up to Big Bear, it's beautiful up there. But it's a very difficult drive once you get off the 210. The road up there can get very challenging. It's filled with a lot of sharp turns and windy roads. But it's just a part of the road. It's not the whole road. We've learned to focus not on that tough part of the road, but to focus our eyes on the blessing that awaits us at the end of the road. When we go through that worst part of the road, we know that the end will be beautiful. So we go through that tough part knowing that that tough part won't last forever. Imagine how foolish if we stopped in the middle of the road when it got tough and we gave up and we said, you know what, let's go back. But yet how many marriages are doing just that? Quitting when the road gets tough. If we did that on our drive up there, we would never have enjoyed the blessing that was awaiting us at the other side of the mountain. And I'm encouraging you tonight, don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up when you're going through those bad times, when you're going through those windy roads, when you can't get along. When you don't think you can make it anymore. There's a blessing waiting for you. But you got to get through that season. You got to ask God to help you. And God will help you. He's helped my wife and I. I don't even know how many years we've been married. 14. Okay, forgive me. Henry, you're not alone. I forgot to. But God has helped us get through that worst part of the road. So that we can enjoy the beauty that awaits us at the end of the road. And we have to remember that it's just a season. It's not going to last forever. Those bad times will pass. It's worth it not to give up. Psalm 30 verse 5 is so true in our life. It says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We've been witness of that. There are times my wife and I have been so upset at each other. We've gone to bed so mad, but we can't be led by our feelings or our emotions. We have to be led by God's word. We need to be people that stick to our commitment, to our vows, for better or for worse. And like I said, God is willing to help us and lift us up when we're going through the worst. But we have to allow him to. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. He's been that for my wife and I. And guess what? You can choose to make it better and not always worse. Many times it's not our circumstances, but our attitude that can make the difference. He uh, marriage can be heaven on earth, but it also can be hell on earth. It's up to us. So why waste our time stuck in the worst, in the bad? You guys know that marriage isn't forever? It's till death do you part. So why live a marriage life full of regrets that we couldn't make it work? The other thing that we vowed is for richer or for poorer. 
Now, none of us go into marriage expecting to be poor or at least poorer than our current standard of living. We have visions of a nice house or a nice apartment, well-dressed, beautiful children, and we will be blessed in our marriage. Some of us have a dream of a nice home. I know my wife does. Nice cars. So most of us go into the marriage thinking, well, it's going to be better. It's the American way. But what happens if your spouse is laid off and has a hard time finding a job? What happens if there's unexpected debt or a bad investment and you lose the house? What happens if you can't pay the rent or one of you can't work because now you have children? Regardless of our best plans, life happens. And there are unexpected financial problems that may arise. Dave Ramsey, a Christian financial advisor, says that most people go through at least one major financial situation almost every 10 years. So many marriages fight over money and end up in divorce because of money. But how about us in the church? Are we committed to keeping our vows and stay together even if our spouse can't contribute a penny to the household? Are we prepared to fulfill that vow for richer and for poorer if circumstances require it? Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And you know what we've learned? That as long as we have God and each other and love, the center of our marriage, that's when we're truly rich. That's when we have all that we really need. The stuff is nice, don't get me wrong, we like nice things, but the relationship is so much more important. It's not our possessions, but it's who's next to us. And we've gone through seasons you know, we've gone through seasons where Philippians 4.11 says, you know, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And don't get me wrong, my wife likes nice things, you know. She doesn't like staying in the King's Inn. She likes staying at the club at Big Bear. But as long as we've t we're together, we've learned that that's what truly matters. Beans and rice and Jesus Christ. Because money can't buy love or happiness. And money definitely can't buy health. And that's the next vow that we committed. In sickness and in health. What a difficult vow. Because many of us don't go in there thinking, my spouse is going to get ill and I'm going to have to take care of them. And how difficult it can be to care for a loved one. We've had some great examples in our church. I'm sure there's many, but there's only some that I clearly remember. Sister Anna, how she cared for Conrad. Karen, 
how she cared for Bob and my mom who cared for my dad. Women of integrity that lived out their vows before us. We don't think we're going to face this challenge, but we don't know what the future holds. But we know who holds the future. And my mom lived out this vow. I saw her care for my dad through his sickness. I saw how it wasn't easy for her. It was very difficult, but I saw how faithful she was in doing it. She was there for him when he needed her the most. She didn't give up on him. She didn't walk out on him. My dad didn't like being alone in the hospital, so my mom stood by his side and spent the nights at the hospital sleep-deprived, sometimes sleeping in that same hospital bed by his side through it all. Thank you, Mom, for living out an example of how to love your spouse in sickness and in health. Thank you for being that example for me, for my family of a faithful woman. My mom was so patient with my dad. She bathed them, she changed them, she fed him. She gave herself completely to taking care of him. She retired from her job of being a nurse so that she could be his nurse 24 hours a day. She would lug him around in a wheelchair and Kaiser from building to building in the heat of the day. She was so compassionate and so caring. She did it as if she was doing it unto the Lord. And something I'll never forget. She looked at my dad through the eyes of Jesus. She treated him as if he was Jesus. She loved on him. She chose to make his life as comfortable as possible, regardless of how hard it was for her. She did an excellent job. But what about us? Are we committed to loving our spouse in that way, in sickness and in health? Have we vowed to give our life for them if the time calls? We spend so much time arguing with each other over the most foolish and petty things instead of cherishing and enjoying our loved ones while we have them. We're not promised tomorrow. I saw that. Marriage won't last forever. And God calls us to love and to cherish that one that he's given us, which is our next vow. To love and to cherish. Love and cherish one another. This phrase can actually be traced back to 1549, where it appeared in the first recorded wedding vows. To cherish something means to protect it, to respect it, to notice it, to honor it, to show gratitude for it, to hold it dear. I read an example of a guy that loved his car and how he washed it and polished it 
kept it in the garage and shined it, parked it far away so that no one would damage it. He invested so much time and money on it, buying things for it, continually working at it, thinking about it throughout the day and talking to his friends about it, what things he had done. For women, sometimes it's the home, shopping for it, cleaning, taking care of it, getting it restored and remodeled. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. How about our spouse? What's our attitude towards our spouse? Are we cherishing them more than our material things? Are we continuing to love and cherish them? Let's compare what the Bible says in the area of love. How are we doing in love? Do we have this kind of love towards our spouse? 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 8. If you ever want to know how you're doing in this area, just read this verse. It says, love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy it does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. How are we doing in loving our spouse? I, for one, know that I fall short in this area and I have a lot to improve in this area when I compare it to what the Word says. There was a Christian author and pastor, Gary Thomas, that was asked by some people and he went and asked some married men, hey guys, how do you guys feel? You guys feel your wife loves you? And all of the men raised their hands. But then he asked them, how many of you, of you guys feel that your wives like you? And only a few raise their hands. And how true this is in so many marriages, right? We're cohabiting, we're enduring, but we're not loving, we're not cherishing. Ephesians 4.2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. First Peter 4.8 it says. Most important of all. Continue to show deep love for each other. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Where two sinners dwell. There's been a lot of sins. And why should we commit to love and cherish? Because we vow to. God commanded us to. And he set an example of how to in the way that he loves us, in the way that he loves the church. Too many times we forget that marriage is a gift. It's not a burden. It was a gift to us from God, a gift that we were to treasure, to cherish. But so many times we take it for granted. This gift is not for an eternity. We will not be married in heaven according to the Bible. It only lasts here on earth and it can end in any moment. So let's not live a life full of regrets. And the last thing we vowed, to death do us part. Sister Anna, 
sister Karen, my mom. That was the only thing that parted their marriage was death. But how many other marriages part because they can't get along? Because they were unfaithful? Because someone else came in? Because they couldn't fulfill their marriage vows? These women, they lived out an example of what it is to love your spouse till death do us part. But it's not true in, in society that we live in and even sometimes in the church. Divorcing over differences. Mark 10, 9 says, What God has joined together, let not man separate. But too many times, man is separating marriage instead of death. Nothing but death should separate our marriages. We need to cherish the gift that we have and remember that they are a gift from the Lord and that marriage won't last forever. So we should take some time to think about death and think about what we would do if our spouse was gone. I think we would greatly miss them. We would miss little things about them. Maybe even things that annoyed us about them or things that we took for granted. Silly things. Maybe even things that got us so angry. My daughter recently went on an East Coast trip. She was gone for over 33 days, 32, something long. And uh, she came back very different. She said, Dad, I missed you guys. Even though I was in the East Coast and I saw all these beautiful things, there's nothing like home. There's nothing like having the love of your family. And sometimes we don't realize what we have until it's gone. We need to be so very careful. We need to realize that marriage is a gift. There will be seasons of good times bad times, better and worse, sickness and in health. But with God on our side, we can keep our vows to love and to cherish. And may nothing but death ever separate us and this beautiful gift that he's given us. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the gift of our spouses. Thank you, Lord. Because so many times we forget that they are a gift. And we need to treasure and cherish them, Lord. But it's hard, Lord Father. It's hard to keep our vows in this sinful nature that we have. It's hard, Lord Father, to get along over sometimes the most foolish of things, Lord. But I pray, Lord Father, that if we've neglected to have you in our marriages, that we invite you back into our marriages. That we make prayer a priority in our marriages. That we make love a priority, Lord, and that we are faithful to keep our vows. 
Help us, Lord, when times are tough. Carry us through those times, knowing that they won't last forever. Knowing that those good times will prevail, Lord. Help us to love, to cherish, to keep our commitments, Lord, and to remember the vows that we made before our Lord and before our spouse, Lord. Help us when we're weak and help us to leave, Lord Father, cherishing and loving that gift that you've given us in our spouse. We thank you, Lord. We welcome you back in our marriages and we pray that you would help us from this day forward to love, to cherish, to honor in sickness and in health, in richer or for poorer, Lord, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.